At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. You never want to find yourself out on the water fishing without the essentials. So it's best to always pack a Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie to protect against the sun. I mean, it provides great protection and it's really breathable so you don't get hot. That's a win-win. Columbia PFG has a lot of great gear. So before you head out on the water, head over to Columbia.com slash PFG to shop their performance fishing gear. I'm warmer from the low. Welcome to Lovey Las Vegas for Coast to Coast Eeps with myself, Greg Eeps Spears. And now part of the Visa Family and Podcast, we've got a great podcast for you guys. We're going to be joined in segment number two by Cooper Watson. He does amazing work over at Bus and Brackets, taking a look at the great game of basketball. He is based out there in ACC country, so going to ask a little bit about the ACC. We're going to get some of his thoughts on some of the teams that are going to be taking part in the Diamond at Classic. We had to do this after the first two games wrapped up. The remaining two games, including the super-duper late Pepperdine versus Hawaii game. Unfortunately, I'm not able to give you anything on that front, but we're going to take, be taking a look at those teams. We're going to take a look at the ACC and some of the surprises to the positive and the negative that we've been seeing in college basketball thus far. So we're going to be hitting that in segment number two. In the final segment, I'm going to give you guys picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this college basketball Friday as we hit some bank shots. It's a little bit more of a bare college basketball Friday, but with that said, we still got you covered there. And if you do have a question, comment, segment idea, what have you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways we offer those in. First one is my Twitter timeline, at unit underscore D1. Keep in mind, letters CM. They mean does not matter, so as per usual, please do send these into the timeline. The other way is find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you are able to fire whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast. Five that five-star review. Really did not get in any Twitter questions today, but we had a fun day of college basketball on Thursday, and we have a few Wednesday night games to be able to polish up as well. So let's take a look back at everything that we've been getting in college basketball. Try to find some trends and try to get to know these teams a little bit better. A game through yesterday is Greg buzzing about. Here is the rowdy recap. In terms of the nightcap in college basketball, Basketball from Wednesday, we did see the Dons of San Francisco completely dominate Arizona State 97-60, and they follow that up, and they completely dump truck Hartford. I don't know the exact final on that yet, but that said, for San Francisco, they went 15-29 of from three-prior range. Khalil Shabazz, he was able to give you 26 points, and for Arizona State, they've had a tough time with their offense thus far this season. 5 of 26 from 3-point range, and if you had the under in this game, this thing just completely exploded as it was like 75 to 35 with about 9 minutes remaining, and then both teams just decided, ah, we don't care about the points anymore, this game has gotten completely out of hand, so there was that aspect of it, and you'll find that quite frequently. USC, they were able to take down Colorado State by kind of 73 to 64, and it feels like USC just starting to find their footing a little bit more. You've had Joshua Morgan be a really good rim protector down low. He had six boards in this game, but it was all about the duo of Boogie Ellis and Drew Peterson. Great name. Combined 37 points for these two guys as Ellis won 4 of 7 from 3 point range. And for Colorado State, Isaiah Stevens, he always typically does a solid job taking care of the ball. 15 points, 9 assists 
Four turnovers was a little bit uncharacteristic of him. And, and other than Patrick Cartier, who had 22 points, nobody was able to step up, be able to give him a little bit of relief. So that was a bit of an issue. Sacramento State, who's been a nice moneymaker for us thus far this season, and a bit of a rough second half against Cal State Fullerton. Fullerton got the job done by kind of 59-49. to 49. For Sacramento State, they went 6-27 from three-point range at Fullerton. They were able to get 19 points out of one of their main guards in Jalen Harris as they turned the ball over just six times to be able to get this one to the window as they went 6-17 of 17 from three-point range in a game that was very, very slow and very controlled. We've been noticing that a lot of these big favorites have been having a tough time covering these larger numbers like Purdue was unable to cover against New Orleans, 74-53 to 53 final in that one as you did have Zach Eady dealing with the flu and that's a big reason why they weren't quite as dominant though, though I will say. Trey Kaufman-Wren came in off the bench for 24 points. That was rather impressive and for New Orleans. They had 16 turnovers and 19 made field goals in this game, so Purdue it was a slow, grimy game, but they were able to pull that one out, and then you saw St. Louis lose at home to SIU Edwardsville by kind of 69-67. to 67. I mean, this has just been a cataclysmically bad year for the Atlantic 10 thus far, and I mean, this was one of the worst collapses that you'll find you had the St. Louis team up by kind of 53 to 35 with 11 minutes remaining. And then things went straight down the toilet bowl from there. As a matter of fact, St. Louis was up by double figures with less than 530 remaining. And then boom, they just forgot how to play college basketball. They've been able to get good production in terms of facilitation standpoint from Yuri Collins, and Yuri Collins once again in this one, 10 assists, 13 points, but for St. Louis, they went 12-21 at the free throw line, SIU Edwardsville, they go 18-24, and they were able to have Shamar Wright go off for 12 rebounds down low to be able to dominate that aspect of things, and LSU, they barely, barely get by East Tennessee State, 72-68 to was the final there. And then in terms of what we all saw on Thursday, we did see a little bit of wild and craziness as Fordham, they knock off VMI in overtime to be able to really get things started, 80-77. to And VMI has been able to cover some games recently. They go 12-26 from three-point range. They are very good on offense. They aren't so great on defense. And Khalid Moore, he was able to give you more for Fordham, 20 points in that one. You saw Bryant be able to get a nice win and cover against Towson, 69-59. to Bryant closed as a very slight favorite, and they were in control of this one throughout. And Towson, I feel like they may have been a little bit overvalued coming into the season. 4 of 18 from three-point range. Jason Gibson has not been in the fold for quite a while, and that has hurt their offense. Bryant went just 7 of 26 from three-point range. They didn't necessarily get their style in this one, and they turned the ball over 19 times, but you did have Sharice Gross Bullock be able to chip in their 16 points. Earl Timberlake, he brought 60 back. 12 points, 6 rebounds. Very good win for Bryant, despite the fact that they really couldn't get their style. Indiana State, they're the latest of the north of 15-point favorites to lose outright. They lose as a 17.5-point favorite to Northern Illinois by a count of 67-57. to This game to where Northern Illinois was really able to control this game throughout. They only won 6-18 of 18 from 3-point range, but they did a good job winning the turnover battle by a count of 14-11. to 11. They won the rebound battle. Northern Illinois did by a count of 38-36 to 36 as Indiana State doesn't necessarily have ideal size. Kavisier McCauley, 21 points, 8 rebounds. But Indiana State, they were just off with their shooting in this game. 8 of 35 from 3-point range. Another money line underdog in Siena. They were able to come through against an American team that has been rather upstart. And something else that I've been noticing, this has been a team that if you've been targeting overs on them, you've been doing quite well. North Florida. 
They give up 76 plus points for the sixth time in their last 71 games after they had blown out Bethune-Cookman by 40 points like two weeks ago. This turned out to be a two-point game. North Florida got the job done 87-85, to but unable to cover the spread as Bethune-Cookman puts up 85 points despite going just 3-17 of 17 from three-point range, 27 points out of Marcus Garrett. Got the job done there, and then you did have Omar Berry for North Florida be able to supply 23 points to be able to get them to the window. Jackson State has actually been a very good cover team recently. They lose, but they get the cover against Stone Cold Stephen F. Austin by a count of 80 to 69. They have now covered against Stephen F. Austin, Alabama. They held in there to the tune of 10 points against Michigan. They held in to the tune of 10 points against Mississippi State. They won outright against SMU and a tough one against TCU. But by and large, this has been a team that you've been able to trust. Mo Williams coaching up a good basketball team. And Jackson State covers this number despite going just 4 of 25 from 3 and 13 of 22 at the free throw lines. Stephen F. Austin. They went 31 of 40 at the charity stripe, but for Stephen F. Austin. They lost a turnover battle 19-13 and the rebound battle 39-36. So good on Jackson State for being able to get that cover. Lindenwood right now looking like one of the worst teams in all of college basketball. They lose the Utah Tep by a count of 95-64. to And quite honestly, it wasn't even that close. You had Lindenwood down 40 throughout much of this game as Chris Child supplied 15 points, but Utah Tech, a team that's been very up and down. They had Tanner Christensen be able to supply 12 rebounds down low. They go 14 of 28 from three-point range. They force Lindenwood into 17 turnovers, and for Lindenwood, they were able to actually go 9 of 26 from three-point range, but inside, they went 12 of 33 on their two-point shots, so Lindenwood having a little bit of a rough go of it there. Vanderbilt, they very nearly lost on their home floor to Alabama A&M. They were up just a single point with two and a half minutes remaining. They were able to put on a little bit of a late run to make it look a bit better. 70-62 to 62 the final, but have to have some concerns with this Commodores team as Alabama A&M went 6-15 from three-point range. Alabama A&M was able to get a double-double down low out of Olisa Blaze Akinobi. 14 points, 11 rebounds out of him. And for Vanderbilt, they go 8-34 of 34 from three-point range. They did have a nice performance out of Liam Robbins. Pair of blocks, 14 points, signed rebounds, but every one of their starters had 7 points or fewer. They tried to mix it up with their starting 5 and they just have not been able to find the answers all season long. Another downtrodden team out in the SEC and South Carolina. They were able to get it done against Western Kentucky. Who have all of a sudden have lost two straight games to teams that they should honestly beat on the road in Louisville and South Carolina. 65-58 to the final in this one. Western Kentucky, I thought that there was going to be a bit of coolage for them from three-point range. They were shooting north of 40% coming into this game. They go 3-22 of 22 from distance. Davion McKnight at 28 of the team's 58 points. And for South Carolina, Gigi Jackson, 12 points, 16 rebounds, pair of blocks, and Michi Johnson was able to go off for 25 points. He went 6 of 11 from 3. Michi Johnson really is a little bit of a cheat code for the South Carolina team. We've noticed that they've been much better when he's been out there on the floor. North Carolina A&T starting to become a little bit of a cover team. They were able to cover against New Mexico State, 85-76, to the final in this one. As for A&T, they were able to have Demetrius Horton go off for 23 points, and it looked like New Mexico State might be getting into cover territory as they were up 12 with about a buck 40 remaining, but North Carolina A&T, they scrapped and clawed as they went 15 of 37 from three-point range in this game, and for New Mexico State, 8 of 22 from distance, they were... 
trying out Dr. Bradley in the starting lineup, and the doctor delivered with 15 points, so you did like to see that as New Mexico State really dealing with some depth issues right now. That's something to take note of. Queens NC, they have covered all but two of their games thus far this season, and they just continue to be a wagon. 82-73 to win and cover against Fairleigh Dickinson for Queens. 12 of 32 from three-point range. Gavin Raines, 10 points, 7 rebounds. He's done a solid job there. Kenny Tye, 19 points, 9 rebounds. And for Fairleigh Dickinson, and this is a much better team than they were just a few months ago as I didn't have high expectations for them coming into the season. They were able to have Dimitri Robbins be able to chip in their 21 points, but still, that has been interesting to take a look at. And what else has been interesting to take a look at? South Florida all of a sudden has been playing quite a few overs. South Florida has been able to get past 70 points in four other five games this month. And for that matter, they have now been able to get past 70 points in seven out of their last eight games. 92 to 73. They take it to the New Jersey Institute of Technology, who loses despite going 10 to 22 from three point range as South Florida. 12 of 28 from distance with Tyler Harris going 6 of 9 from 3-point range. Very nice. 22 points out of him. You also did have an interesting ordeal with Kansas. A win but no cover as they were a big favorite against Harvard. 68 to 54 the final. And once again, if you just took the money line on all of these underdogs the last three days, you'd be up over 100 units if your bankroll was playing 1% of it for one unit. Kansas, they go 4 of 20 from 3-point range. Obviously, this wasn't an outright win for Harvard, but I mean, it feels like it with the way that their season has been going. Chris Ludlow, 17 points, 9 rebounds, and Jalen Wilson, 21 points, 6 boards. I mean, Kansas looked fine, and in the next segment, we are going to be asking Cooper Watson what to make out of these big, giant favorites that they've been having a little bit of a tough time with it. I'm not going to lie. It has not been necessarily so savory for them. That is a question that I'm going to be posing to them, and if there's any big takeaways from that, West Virginia is another team that couldn't cover as a big favorite, 75-64, to 64, a win but no cover against Stony Brook as the Seawolves went 9-28 from three-point range, West Virginia 11-26 from the outside, but for Stony Brook, they went 15-15 at the free throw line. Stony Brook was able to play even up on the glass, and they were able to have a pair of guys coming off the bench for double figures as they got 11 points out of Toby Anikonu, and then you were able to get 10 points out of Tanaj Petaway, so they were able to come up big for the team, and then for this West Virginia bunch, 18 big points out of Kadrian Johnson. He was able to help out a big way. You had Julian Reese beyond the fold for Maryland. It didn't matter. They were one of the teams that were able to cover one of those big 20-plus point spreads against the St. Peter's Peacocks, 75-45 to the final. Maryland, they were able to go 8 of 21 from three-point range as Jameer Young, Akeem Hart, they combined for 35 points. And Maryland just continues to be one of the top teams on defense in all of college basketball. Bradley has really been a menace on defense as well. 74 to 55, the final. They take down Akron and for Bradley. They have given up north of 55 points once this month. I mean, it is absolutely ridiculous what we are seeing out of this defense. And for that matter, if you want to date this thing back, they have given up 55 points or fewer in now seven out of their last eight games as Akron just got down very big very early. They had seven points in the first 12 minutes of this game, and Bradley, they were able to go 14 of 30 from three-point range. They were the reason that this game went over. Rink mass, 15 points, 13 rebounds. Just an absolutely tremendous showing there. Santa Clara, nice showing against Boise State as well. Boise State has been able to do a relatively solid job recently, but they were unable to get the job done here. Boise State was 73-58 to 58 was the final for Santa Clara as the Pedancos. They go 10 of 25 from three-point range. Braden Pozmeski, 18 points, 10 rebounds. You were able to get 25 big points out of Carlos Stewart, who 
from three-point range was able to go three of six. And for Boise State, they just weren't able to do necessarily the world's greatest job of being able to um, win the rebound battle, 41-35. to 35. Santa Clara was able to get that done. And when it came to Boise State, they were still without Marcus Shaver Jr. in this game as well. He has been the top score for them throughout the entirety of the season. You did also see out in the Diamond Eye Classic, I'm not able to give you the final two results, but I am able to give you this one as Utah State, they were able to just completely take it to Seattle, 84-56 to a final for Utah State. They actually shrink their three-point shooting percentage overall in the year because they entered in this game shooting 44.7% from distance. They went just a paltry 11 of 28 in this one as you had Steve Ashworth give you 17 points. Max Shulga, 12 points, 10 boards for a double-double. And for Seattle, 5 of 29 from 3 power inch Cam Tyson, 20 points, but he needed 20 shots to get there. And Riley Grigsby has just been all out of sorts for this team this season. So it's been a tad bit of an issue. One of your top over teams in all of college basketball, that'd be San Diego. And guess what? They played another over as Cal State Northridge, a.k.a. CSUN, got it done by kind of 78-83. to They were able to get that win as San Diego tried to make it close late, but they were unable to pull it out. They've been dealing with a few injuries. The San Diego team has been as they were without Jace Townsend in this game once again, and they've been dealing with also an injury to Jaden Delaire. He did not suit up in this game, so for San Diego, 25 big points out of Siku Sishu Jawara. They kept them in this game, but... Just 5-21 from 3-part range for them. Meanwhile, you had Aiton Wright go 5-8 of eight from 3-part range. He was 8 up all those threes. 31 points. CSUN, they go 9-17 of 17 from distance overall. That gets them to victory. Win but no cover for Penn State. 77-68. And got to figure that Penn State is going to see some regression with their 3-point shooting percentage. They had entered into the game on Thursday shooting 41.5% from the outside. Went just 6-29 of 29 from 3. They were also without Seth Lundy, so that did affect them a little bit, but you still had Jalen Pickett very nearly go off for a triple-double. 21 points, 9 assists, 12 rebounds. He's one of the most underrated players in all of college basketball. Might be a little bit of a hashtag hot take, but I think they should be in the running for player of the year. At this point, he has been that good. Obviously, he's not been as good as Zach Eady. I'm not going to get that carried away in Adama Sonogo. He makes that UConn team a go-go, but I put him in my top five right now. I don't think that I'm speaking out of turn there for Quinnipiac. They were holding this game because they won the rebound battle 48-40. to Something to take a look at for Penn State because they've been doing a relatively bad job of being able to hit the glass. Also, a pair of teams that have been very good to the over thus far this season. They've had some up and down results. UAB, they were able to get another over as they were able to take down Charlotte. Unable to get a cover though as they were laying in this game 11.5 points, but that said they were able to get that done and they were able to get an over. Jordan Jelly Walker was able to pump in their 25 points. This game is just going fine as it's 76-68 in the closing like 10 or so seconds. So they were able to get another one there. And then as I'm doing this, Missouri currently up 25-12 to on Illinois. We shall see how that game turns out. But that was certainly one of intrigue, the old border battle. Denver, they are now 10-2 and to the over this season because they played a very low-scoring game to go back to the action from very late Wednesday against... Oregon State. Oregon State, they get the win but no cover. 57-52 to 52, the final. Just a complete and utter turd out of both of these teams from three-point range. They win a combined 4 of 26 from distance. Denver goes 8 of 15 at the free throw line, but they were able to cover this game because they played even up on the glass and they had a trio of starters be able to supply 10 points as really everyone in that game was all out of sorts. So that was a Game of fascination, to say the least. And if you're taking a look at some of your best teams, the under thus far this season, Boise State, who I mentioned a little bit earlier, they have now played 
two overs and 10 unders, and they had played another one. Harvard, they're up to two overs and eight unders. They played an under against Kansas on Thursday, and Yale, they played a very big under as they are now two overs, seven unders, and a push for them as they just completely dismounted all over Monmouth. 76 of 44, the final as for Yale, they controlled this game throughout E.J. Jarvis, 16 points, and they did this without their top scorer, Matt Noling, as Monmouth went 18 of 56 from the floor with 15 turnovers, and they lost a rebound battle 51 to 25 without Matt Noling in the fold, and then also we'll give a little bit of love to this Ivy League team. Cornell, they take down Colgate on the road, 91 to 80. This Cornell team has already put up north of 100 points against Miami. They went 12 of 25 from three prior inch. Colgate, they themselves go 8 of 21 from three-point range, but Cornell wins the battle on the glass. 34 rebounds for them to 23 out of Colgate and 23 assisted buckets for Cornell in this game. Sharing is caring and they did a very good job with that regard and what we are going to share with you guys now is some of the trends that we're seeing in college basketball. Overall for the season, it's been relatively split in terms of overs and unders, but we've really been seeing these overs come through in this holiday week. In the last seven days, 153 overs to 139 unders with a few results pending from Thursday and in this time span. Home underdogs have been straight fire. Last seven days, 40 and 28 against the spread. That's a 58.8% clip. Underdogs overall hitting at 54.1% as road dogs are more around 52.8% as underdogs overall last seven days, 158, 134, and 5 against the spread. And if you're looking at the entirety of the college basketball season, underdogs hitting at 51.8%. 1,021, 949, and 32 against the spread with home underdogs now at 55.7%, 270, 215, and 7. And overall unders, they still have a very slight lead on overs. 995 unders to 986 overs. So that's what we're seeing in college basketball right now. And that's what we all got late Wednesday, early Thursday. Now let's chat next with our good friend Cooper Watson over there at Boston Brackets. We're going to talk some AC. We're going to be talking about these strange holiday week games, and we're going to be taking a look at the Diamond Egg Classic next here on Coast to Coast Hoops with myself, Craig Hoops Peterson, now a part of the Decent Family Podcast. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Getting ready to take on spring? 
Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Are you ready to become a winning sports better? Schedule a call with SBIA to find out how their service can make you a long-term winning player. They've developed an innovative algorithm that maximizes units return, and they are so confident in their system that they offer a money-back guarantee. Sign up by October 31st and get their NBA package at no cost until they reach 10 net units. They treat sports betting like a business. So if you want to learn how to make your sports betting dreams a reality, visit them at SBIA1.com and check them out on social media at SBIA Sports. With myself, Greg Spears, and now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. Always great to be joined by this guest as Cooper Watson does amazing work over there at Boston Brackets, taking a look at the great game of college basketball and really does a great job taking a look at all facets of basketball. As I know that he's done some great work with regards to mock drafts. I know that on top of that, he's a man that does a great job of just taking a look at all the ACC schools as he's based out there in the great state of North Carolina and a man that you're able to follow on Twitter at Cooper T. Watson. So his first and last name, Cooper Watson, then the letter T in the middle of that. And Cooper, always great to have you aboard. Thank you. It's always good to be back, Craig. Appreciate it. Always appreciate having you aboard. And Cooper, as we know, non-conference play is starting to wrap up. A lot of these teams, they've been able to get in like one conference game. You've got teams that they are going to actually be playing some conference games here in the next week or so. But in terms of just teams that have either been able to do a solid job or have not been able to do a solid job, or a few that come to mind and who might be a few teams that you want to see a little bit more from. Perhaps it's a jury's out situation, whether it be to the positive or the negative. I think a team that's interesting, Florida State, a really horrific start to the year. I thought they'd be a top five or six team in the ACC. I thought they'd be a tournament team, at least a bubble team. They started the season like one and nine, but they've looked pretty good the last five or six games. They played Purdue uh, pretty tight. They played Virginia tight right after that, lost both those games. But then now they've won three of their last four. They beat Notre Dame. Florida State's not a good team. But I do think that they are a team that is going to perform better in ACC play than their record might suggest they would. I don't think that they're a bottom three team in the league, not in the ACC, certainly, uh, with Louisville and Georgia Tech. And, you know, they beat Notre Dame last night. Boston College, I still think, is not a good team, even though they beat Virginia Tech. But I'm looking at Florida State as a team that can compete. Caleb Mills and Darren Green have been kind of a bright spot. In the backcourt, they've held their own most games, offensively at least. Florida State shoots the ball pretty well. So that's a team in the ACC at least that compared to their record, and you know, people might look at that and think that that's just a terrible team. They're not going to compete or anything. I do think Florida State is going to end up being not a pushover in ACC play. I wouldn't be surprised to see them pull a couple upsets that have people turn their heads. And then sticking with ACC, I mean, NC State, they have to – beat good teams like I watch them I think they're a good team they have awesome guard play with DeCravian Smith Jarkel Joyner uh, even Casey Morcells shot the ball really really well this year they don't have any really good wins they played Miami close great they lost it they played Kansas close great lost that too opened ACC play with a home game against Pitt now Pitt's better than we 
thought or better than I thought they would be. That's Pitt's a respectable team, but still at home in Raleigh, a game NC State has to win. So they're going to have to get these road wins at Clemson and at Wake Forest, Syracuse. Like those are the types of games. They don't have to go out and, you know, go 4 and 0 against Duke and North Carolina, but NC State, I mean, it's a team they're going to have to make the tournament with Kevin Keats uh, this year. They're capable of it. It's a really talented team. It's a team that should make the tournament. They've got probably a lottery pick, definitely a first-round pick into Cravian Smith. Really good guards, really good offensively. So uh, those are two teams. NC State, I think, a team that needs to perform well. And then Florida State, a team that I think is going to probably perform a little better than what they're start to the season suggests. Absolutely on those. And I know that you just mentioned a lot of ACC teams as Cooper Watson. He does tremendous work at Boston Brackets. He's joining me on the podcast. What do you make out of the conference in general? Because it's been sort of a teeter-totterish up and down conference this year because we've seen a few teams rise up and be terrific. Virginia is off to a really nice start this year. We thought NC State would be improved. I would say they've been a little bit better than advertised. Meanwhile, Louisville may have been a complete turd this year. They and Cal have been some of the saddest power conference teams that we've really ever seen. It's been a terrible year for Boston College. It's been a pretty awful year for some of these other schools as well. Pittsburgh, they're starting to get online. Syracuse has been up and down. Notre Dame has been leaving a little bit of something to be desired. So you've got a lot of good. You've got a lot of bad. North Carolina to the bad as well. What do you make out of this conference right now? Because it just feels very uneven. And it feels like you've got your successes and your clear failures. Yeah, I think the top of the league, even with UNC playing below preseason expectations so far, although I think that UNC is going to be fine. They're going to jump back in the top 25 next week. They'll be okay. I think the top of the league is fine with Duke, Miami, Virginia, uh, like you said, has looked really good. Even Virginia Tech, I think, is still going to be fine. I'm a little, little concerned that they only have like six players, basically, but it's a big drop-off. I mean, the bottom of the league is just terrible. In these 15-team leagues, and as the leagues keep getting bigger and, you know, the Big Ten's going to have 16 teams, who knows how many teams these leagues will have eventually, there's going to be a couple at least. Like, there are going to be at least one or two teams every year that's going to drag the league down a little bit. But it's more than usual this year in the ACC. Obviously, you've got Louisville. You will look like Florida State, although I think they're going to pick it up. Georgia Tech is going to be very bad. Actually, better than I expected. Somehow, I thought Georgia Tech had the potential to be what Louisville has been. Like, I thought Georgia Tech might win five games the whole year. I still think they're going to struggle in ACC play big time. Notre Dame can't guard anybody, and Mike Bray refuses to play more than five or six people. Syracuse can't guard anybody, and Jim Beheim refuses to play more than five or six people. Boston College is scrappy, energetic. I don't think they're very good. Wake Forest, streaky guards. An interesting team, Wake Forest. I'm not totally buying in yet. I still don't really trust the front court. And, you know, Tyree Appleby's been good, but I just don't trust those guards night in, night out, even though I do trust Steve Forbes. So, yeah, I mean, I think the bottom of the league, there's more bad teams than there have been in years past where it's maybe just one or two. There's like five or six this year really pulling the league down. And on Kempom, it's interesting. I was looking at this. They're the number six league on Kempom. They are closer in terms of the rating. He assigned, you know, I don't know how the algorithm works, but the Big 12 is the top league at plus 18.4. The ACC is plus 10.6. So that's a, what, 7.8 difference? They are closer to Conference USA, the ACC, on Ken Palm than 
the Big 12. So they're closer to the number 10 league than the number one league. I just thought that was interesting. Well, that is very fascinating. I'll give a little bit of a shout out to Conference USA. They've not been bad. I mean, it's crazy that we live in a world right now where Western Kentucky going on the road, losing to Louisville is deemed as a bad loss. That's how far we've went. UAB has been able to do some absolutely tremendous work out there. I know they've lost a pair of teams at Old Dominion and Marshall that have been able to do a solid job being able to rise up as well. But by and large, I would say a very solid year for Conference USA. But that said, something else that we've been noticing here in the past week or so is a lot of these random games that you've got these power conference teams playing against. Insert your bottom 50 team here and For a lot of these power conference teams, they have not been taking care of business. I'm looking at you, Iowa, losing that game outright. You've had a lot of other teams win, but they haven't been able to get covers on my side of things. They've been having to sweat out games against teams that they really should not be. What do you make out of this and just the games in general that we are seeing this time of year because they almost feel a little bit needless and it's just a case where it is not doing a lot of good for these power conference teams. Meanwhile, you've got a lot of these smaller teams that are rising up and they're taking advantage. Christmas games are weird. Christmas break games are weird. You know, the student section, a lot of the students are home, so you're not going to get maybe as big or as rowdy a student section at a home game. The players themselves, you're in kind of a weird spot where most teams have already played the hardest part of their non-conference schedule. So maybe they're looking ahead to after Christmas to when conference play really picks up. The December 15th to, you know, right after Christmas range is just a, it's a tricky spot. I mean, it's tough to get guys motivated. I mean, they're wanting to go home as well, right? And I don't totally know how many days there's I forget how many days you have to give them but they're going home and coming back a lot of times some of them stay on campus but there are real life things at Christmas break that are not there the rest of the season for most teams normally that just make it tricky it's just as easy to fall asleep especially in these day games I mean it's tough to get a full student section at some of these games four o'clock in the day three o'clock against, you know, the number 320 Ken Palm team or whatever. So I don't think it's a sign of like the teams are struggling. I think it's just a weird spot every year, really. It certainly is a strange dynamic. And the real life example I'll use is you've got someone that's been working in some normal business like accounting, something like that. They clock in, they clock out, they know the grind for many, many years, and they're just trying to get through the day. Meanwhile, you've got your spry kid just fresh out of college. It's like week number one for them. They're working side by side for the veteran. It's just another day at the office for the spry college kid. They're all sorts of fired up. They've taken like seven five-hour energies and things like that. They're just jumping up and down and the spry young kid just out of college has taken seven five-hour energies are these lesser sub-300 teams that we have been seeing. As Cooper Watson does great job over there at Plus and Brackets, he's joining me on the podcast. And Cooper, we are going to be getting some of those, shall we say, lesser games on Friday. But really the big thing that we are seeing on Friday is going to be the Diamond Eye Classic. We've got ourselves a relatively solid field as... As we are doing this, Utah State is getting the job done against Seattle. We've already seen Iona have a relatively bad showing as we're doing this. We don't know how the final two games went, but very fascinating by this field. Washington State, a team that's sub-500, but I mean, they look like a relatively solid team. You got Hawaii and Pepperdine, two polar opposite teams as well. What do you make out of this field? Because I do think that the next few days, we are going to be seeing some very solid basketball. We are. I was hoping we would get Utah State, Iona, but Utah State SMU will be fine. Utah State felt kind of quietly 9-0 and start. 
Then they take a really bad home loss to Weber State, a Weber State team that's just not very good and can't score. But Utah State can't really defend, so that's their issue. I mean, they're still number one in the country in three-point percentage. They shoot 43% from three. They're a team that's going to compete in the Mountain West. They're maybe the best offensive team in that league. They're going to be right up there towards the top of the league. It comes down to whether or not they can guard. And you mentioned the Iona meltdown. That top half of the bracket stands out to me, or bottom half or whatever, that half of the bracket with Iona, SMU, Seattle, who's getting thumped right now, but has had a pretty decent start to the year, and then Utah State. And then on the bottom, you've got Pepperdine and Hawaii, George Washington and Washington State. I suppose Washington State comes out of that, but I don't trust that team at all. I mean, Kyle Smith, you're number four, I believe, three or four. We've been talking like it's gonna turn, he's going to turn the program around and all this stuff, and I know it takes time and all that, but it's a team that's four and six, a program that still has not made the NCAA tournament since Tony Bennett was there 15 years ago. Rough start to the year for them, another team that is questionable offensively, in my opinion. So I think Utah State has a pretty good path to winning this tournament. And even with the bad loss to Weber State, I mean, we could be looking up at them in a couple of days and they could be, what, 12 and one going into Mountain West play. You know, they're 46 on Kimpom. If they win this event, win three more games, you'd have to think they jump up a little bit. So this could be a top 40 team that's 12 and one a few days from now. Yeah, no question. That Utah State collapse that we saw against Weber State in which they were leading by 18 in the first half of that game. That was not too terrific. And as we are doing this, we don't know how that Pepperdine versus Hawaii game turned out, but that is one I am very intrigued by, and I'm sure that you are as well, Cooper. You do an absolutely amazing job taking a look at the great game of basketball. I know that it's the holiday season for you, but you're still doing a great job putting it work, and I know that you've got a big 2023 on the horizon as well. So, Cooper, let the good people at home know how they're able to get all of your work on social media and other platforms, and how they're able to just follow you in general. On Twitter, at Cooper T. Watson over at Boston Brackets. I'm excited about this a little bit. I'm going to have some New Year's resolutions coming out for different leagues, looking at every team in the ACC, SEC, maybe going through a couple other leagues as well. Just things that teams need to need to maybe make a New Year's resolution for to fix in the next three months to finish out the season strong. So that's kind of my next project I got coming up here. It is always a pleasure to be able to get Cooper aboard. And in terms of resolutions, I will throw this one out to Louisville. Get a guard in the transfer portal. Literally, any guard in the transfer portal. We all tried to tell you this offseason. You did not listen, and now you get what you deserve. But with that said, this podcast always deserves great guests. We try to give you guys the best, and Cooper, he always fits that bill. He does amazing work over there at Boston Brackets. A big thanks to him for joining me right here on Coast Coast Soup Style, part of the Beeson Family Podcast. Coming up next, card is a little bit thin for this College Basketball Friday, but we do have some games. I'm going to give you guys picks and analysis on all of them coming up next as we hit some bank shots. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Getting ready to take on spring? 
Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. With myself, Greg Spears, and now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. And it's always great to get Cooper Watson aboard. He does amazing work over there at Bus and Brackets, taking a look at what we're all getting in the great game of college basketball. And he does amazing work just being able to break down everything out there in ACC country. A big thanks to him for joining me on Cusco Soup's now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. And now it is that time of the podcast to give you picks and analysis for every game on the betting board for this college basketball Friday as we had some bank shots. Most financial establishments close at a certain time, but not here. It is time for a side and total on every game on today's betting board bank shots. Do note that as per usual, any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed at GNRS41. We're going to be going in Las Vegas rotation R. This is where we go with the games with three digits on the rotation first, and then the games with six digits, those are going to be at the bottom. I do have to do a little bit of guesswork as to what we're going to be getting in the final two games of the Diamond Eye Classic. It goes Diamond Eye Classic first. Those are the games on the normal board. And then the extra games are anything not involved in the Diamond Eye Classic. So that'll keep things all nice, neat, clean, and easy there. But with that said, we just don't know the final from that Hawaii versus Pepperdine game. So I do have to do a little bit of guesswork on that front just because that game was very, very late. This starts with 879-880 on the betting board and Diamond Classic games. 
They all do not have lines because these teams all played yesterday and typically bookmakers may need a little bit of time to be able to take a look at these ordeals and be able to set a line on these. But we know that we're getting Iona and Seattle out there at the San Sheriff Center and in Iona versus Seattle, I did set Iona as a six-point favorite. I made this total 144, so 5.5 or less. One to lay with Iona, 6.5 or more. I'm going to be taking the points with Seattle, and it's a total in which 143.5 or less, looking over 144.5 or higher to the under with Iona. They've got Quince Lesniski now back at the fold. He's been able to do a solid job being able to give this team right around 15 or so points per game, actually down to more like 13 after what we saw yesterday. But even though he's a 6 foot nine combo player that's able to pop threes, I've noticed that with them back in the fold, the Iona defense has been folding a little bit more. They've given up 80 plus points in each of the two games that he has been out there prior to these last two games, they had given up north of 80 points zero times in the month of December while he was off the floor, so that is a little bit of an issue. Iona has been able to do a good job with their backcourt duo, and Dennis Jenkins along with Walton Clayton Jr. Clayton Jr. is able to give you about 40% three-point shooting. He's currently shooting north of 90% at the free throw line. This guy has been able to put in their 16-plus points in five of the team's last six games, so I've been highly impressed there, and then Dennis Jenkins does a nice job at the point guard spot. He's able to give you about 16.5 points, chips in there, 4.5 assists, 3.5 rebounds per game, so you know what you're going to be able to get there. Nelly Jr. Joseph and Bedek Jean-Louis, they've been able to combine for 3 blocks per contest. When it comes to Jr. Joseph, 13.5 points per game. Jean-Louis is able to shoot about 40% from 3-point range, and now they go up against the Seattle team, in which they've got the best individual scorer in this game in Cam Tyson, guy that's able to throw in their 20 points per game. The big question is Riley Grigsby. He was missing for about half of this season and has never really looked like himself after he had a big 2 and 2021 season where he shot 38.5% from 318 points per game. He's averaging more around 12 points per game on just under 30% three-point shooting this season. They're going to have a little bit of a tough time down low against this Iona team, though. Iona, they made a lot of silly mistakes against SMU, so that is something to take a look at. They do have Brandon Chatfield, who's been able to give the Seattle team right around 5.5 rebounds per game. Emeka Odani, not a lot of scoring out of him, but he's able to give you a few assists. He's been able to chip in there some rebounds. He was limited to just 14 minutes yesterday and didn't pull in there rebound some little bit of concern there as Victor Radkovich would most likely be the gentleman to fill his place and he's been able to give you about three and a half rebounds. I don't think that if you don't have Odeni in the fold in this one that that is going to be making too much of a difference whatsoever. The big key for this team having someone like a Kobe Williamson who's been able to give you five points three and a half boards shooting in the mid 30s from three point range. Perhaps someone like a Paris Dawson who he's been able to thus far this season chip in there about nine points per game but he's coming off a big giant zero Burger yesterday being able to help you out. And I do think so. Both of these are mid-tempo teams. Both of these teams a little bit outside the top 100 in terms of possessions per game. Iona overall has been a solid defense. I do think that they're going to be getting back to that. And this is a part of a back-to-back for these two teams. So I do think that tired legs are going to be involved in this just a little bit. And that is factored into this line as I did set it at a 144, 143.5 or less. Looking at the over 144.5 higher to the under. Also keep in mind that this is a very shooter-friendly environment at the San Sheriff Center. This is certainly not like, oh, say the battle for Atlantis for example, where the rims are super, super tough, but that said, with Iona, could only make them a six-point favorite, five and a half or less, willing to lay it six and a half or higher, going to be taking a look at the points and set my total at a 144, 881, 
882. You've got yourself Utah State, and they're going to be playing against SMU. SMU, I set them as a 14.5 point underdog, and I set this total at a 146.5. You've got a Utah State team that ranks in the top 25 nationally in terms of points scored on a per-possession basis, and they're the number one team in all of college basketball in three-point shooting percentage. They entered Indy yesterday shooting as a team 44.7% from three, and it went down because they shot 39% from three-point. Steve Ashworth has been able to give this team 18 points per contest. He's bombing at it over 40% from three-point range. You've got the Funk and Taylor Funk. He's able to give you down low right around seven to eight rebounds per game. He's able to do a nice job with 15-plus points per contest. He shoots the ball from three. Daniel Aiken is able to give you six rebounds as well, so that'll be a little bit tough for SMU to overcome, and for SMU, just have a lack of depth with this team. Credit where credit is due. They had 85 points yesterday, but going into yesterday's game, they were shooting 29.5% from three. They were outside the top 200 in terms of points scored on a per-possession basis, and they are outside the top 125 in terms of points allowed on a per-possession basis. I mean, even in their win, they allowed Iona to shoot 13 of 22 from three-point range. You do have Samuel Williamson along with F.A. Obadishi, who download these guys have been able to combine for about 14 rebounds per game. Williamson has been able to chip in there about eight points per game. He'll give you a block, and then F.E. Obadiji, he's been able to give you right around eight and a half points per contest as well, but for Williamson and F.A. Obadiji, they combined for 12 turnovers yesterday as well. They had 21 in total. Now you've got Zach Natal along Zurich Zurich Phillip. Going to yesterday, they were combining for 32 points per game, and both of these guys have really picked it up. Phillips, he's been able to give you 19 plus points at each of the last six games. He is on one. Meanwhile, you've got Zach Natal who's been a little bit up and down this year, but 20 plus points, and now three of the team's last four games as well, but I mean, really, outside of your starting five for this SMU team, you don't have much of anything. You were able to get a big performance out of Keon Ambrose Hilton yesterday. He was able to put in their 16 points. Prior to that, I think that he had had 17 points for the entirety of the season. I don't think that Lightning is going to be striking twice with him. You just have not been able to get anything out of someone like a Stefan Tordovic, who's been able to give you about 7.5 points per game. Shoots in the mid-30s from three-point range. I do think that SMU is going to be coming back to earth. And for Utah State, they had a really bad loss a few weeks ago against Weber State. That big giant collapse of a pass that this team has been very rock solid. So I am willing to make Utah State a 14.5 point favorite. One to lay up to 14 with them. 15 is my buy point on SMU and semi total at 146.5. So 146 or less. Looking at the over 147 or higher to the under. Now 883, 884, and 885, 886. A little bit more guesswork here because we just don't know, like I said, how I versus Pepperdine shook out. We're probably not going to get a result until after 11 o'clock p.m. Pacific time, but I've simulated George Washington and Pepperdine with Pepperdine being a five-point favorite and a total of 151. And in Washington State versus Hawaii, I simulated Washington State being a three-and-a-half-point favorite and a total of 127.5. Obviously, lots of subject to change, so I'm going to be keeping it a little bit more general on this one with George Washington. He's got a very nice starting five, regardless of if they're going up against Pepperdine or Hawaii. Hawaii, I'd be setting as a favorite over George Washington, and Pepperdine versus Washington State would be a case in which Washington State would be a slight favorite in that one, but getting back to George Washington, they're part of that very disappointing Atlantic 10 right now, and for George Washington, just a very top-heavy team. You've had James Bishop the fourth entering into yesterday be one of the best scorers in all of college basketball. Five and a half assists, 22 points per game. George Washington as a whole, they do shoot about 33.5% from three-point range. They leave a little bit of something to be desired on defense among your 363 D1 teams. This is a George Washington bunch that they're ranking right in the neighborhood about 220th in terms of points allowed on a purpose 
possession basis, so you do have your issues there, but down low, you do have Ricky Lindo Jr., 10.5 points, 7.5 boards. Doesn't pop threes well, but he's able to pop threes, and now they're able to get a little bit more out of Maximus Edwards, who's been able to emerge recently going into the Diamond Head Classic against Coppin State. 16 points, 12 boards, 5 assists. That is very much something that you do like to see, and when it comes to the flip side, the team that I think that they're going to be going up against in Pepperdine, Pepperdine has been able to run it and gun it. They're in the top 25 nationally in terms of total possessions per game. They've got a lot of guys with size. They're able to pop in from three-point range with Maxwell Lewis being the headliner going into yesterday. 18.5 points, three assists, steal and a half, block per contest while shooting 46.5% from three. Pepperdine as a whole, they rank in the top 15 nationally in three-point shooting percentage. Entered into yesterday, shooting 49% from three-point range and getting Javon Porter, the brother of Michael Porter, going. That's big. In the last three games going into the Diamond Head Classic, he had been able to give the team a combined 38 points in those three games. He's been able to do a good job with his rebounding, six plus boards in three of the last four games. He's able to shoot threes as a six foot eleven combo player, and then you got Houston Mallet, gives you three and a half assists, 14 points per game for a Pepperdine team that, yeah, they're going to leave a little bit of something to be desired on the defensive side of things, but in terms of offense, they're one of the better teams in being able to score in all of college basketball. That's why, if you do get that scenario, I would be willing to set Pepperdine as more around a five-point favor with a total of 151, and then if we do get Washington State versus Hawaii. I've said Washington State is a three and a half point favorite. It would be a true road game for them against Hawaii. Hawaii has done a really good job of just timing teams with their defense in terms of total possessions per game. They rank 320th in all of college basketball. And for Washington State, they entered into yesterday with a four and six record. They have played significantly better than that. With Washington State, they do a nice job of having good point guard play despite the fact that they haven't turned the ball over right around 13 times for contest. Good news is if they do face off against Hawaii, Hawaii is not a team that has necessarily ball hawking. And you do have Mo Gay, who's been able to give you 12 points, 8 boards, a block per contest going up against a Hawaii team that got a pair of guys that could make up uh, along with Bernardo da Silva. They've both been able to give you 7 rebounds apiece. And for up, he's shooting 40% from 3. Hawaii as a whole, shooting 33% from the outside. Last year, they were a bit better with that regard as Javon McClanahan. Last season, he was able to give the team 6 points, 3.5 assists. He shot 33% from 3. And has been down to more like 2.5 assists per contest thus far this season. You've been having Noel Coleman be able to give you 14.5 points, 3 assists. He does a nice job of stuff in the stat sheet. But last year, shot 44% from 3. This year, more on 33% from the outside. For Washington State, you've got Justin Bumupel. He's got an assist to turnover ratio that is north of 3.5. So that is something that is appealing. But they still do have those turnovers from other guys. TJ Bamba has been one of the better sharpshooters really in all of college basketball. He's currently shooting 44.7% for 3. And Washington State as a whole shot 38.5% for 3. That's one of the best marks they're going to find. But just too many turnovers from guys like Amoge, who's been giving you three turnovers per contest. Good news for Washington State is that Jabe Mullins is back at the fold. His first game back in the month of December against Baylor. He goes out for 16 points. Overall for the season, he's shooting 52.5% for three. Don't necessarily think that's sustainable. DJ Robin is able to do a nice job down low. He's been able to give you six boards. You do have some versatility as well with someone like a Kamani Husino, who's been able to come in from the country of France, and he's really been able to emerge for this team. Six plus points in four of the last five games. He gives you two assists. Nice six foot six, a little bit of a combo player, and with Washington State, just a little bit more athleticism than Hawaii, and they've really done a good job of being able to slow things down. Both of these teams rank outside the top 260 in terms of possessions per game, so this is a circumstance where if we do get Washington State versus Hawaii, we'll make Washington State the three and a half point favorite, total of 127 half, and then if we do have Pepperdine versus Washington State, Washington State would probably be more in that neighborhood of, I would call it about a five 
six-ish point favorite, something like that. And then if you get George Washington versus Hawaii, we'll be setting Hawaii as a very moderate favorite there. So that's what I'm taking a look at on that front. Have to do a little bit of guesswork. I apologize just because that game was so late yesterday. But with that said, hopefully I gave you guys a little bit of an overview there and any changes are made. Those are going to be on my Twitter feed at GUnit underscore 81. Now let's take a look at the extra games. The normal betting board picks are complete, but there are some extra games today. So we go into the bonus. You can cook in with my DK Nation pick. This is going to be 306, 775, 306, 776. George Mason is going to be playing us to compensate. Compensate is an underdog of between 12 and 12 and a half points. Your total on this game, it is 147 and a half. DK Nation pick, that is going to be on this total over. I set my total at 153 and a half. Compensate has scored at least 67 points in all but one of their games thus far this season, and that was a season opener. So 13 straight games, and in those 13 games, they've gotten to at least 71 in 11 of them as compensate they are gunning it they are eighth in the country in terms of total possessions per game but they rank in the bottom 25 in terms of points allowed on a per possession basis for compensate they have held one opponent below 83 points thus far this month Meanwhile, they are just putting on offensive clinic after offensive clinic. They've scored at least 71 in every one of them as well. You got a guy in Sam Sessions I really do like. 24 points, 5.5 assists, 1.8 seals per game. And he has been able to shoot 40% per three. Nenda Turk, he chips in there 2.5 seals, 13 points, 6 boards. You really don't have a ton down low for this compensate team. And that's going to be a little bit tough against Josh Oduro, who's the main scorer for George Mason. He's been able to, as a 6 foot nine combo player, give you 13 points, 6 boards, 3 assists. Shoots about 31% from 3-point range. It's been a tad bit pedestrian, but you still have some nice scores in the George Mason backcourt. A George Mason team that they themselves have been able to get to at least 72 points in five out of their last seven games. Victor Bailey Jr., Devin Cooper. These guys are combined for 23.5 points, 8.5 boards. You've got Cooper shooting 37.5% from three. Victor Bailey Jr., 45.5% from three. And George Mason as a whole, they shoot 37% from three. They do shoot 62% the free flying with 14 turnovers per game. That's a little bit less than savory, but at a George Mason team that they rank right around like 130th in the country in terms of possessions per game. They're more around 215th in terms of possessions per game. They're a mid-tempo team, but we notice that there's just a few teams in college basketball they are able to speed teams up. Compensate has been one of them. I do think that they're going to be able to get their tempo, and I do think that George Mason has a little bit of a leg up down low, but it's not like they've got ideal size. They've had Devontae Gaines be able to give them 7 points, 6 at boards. It's a 6 foot 7 a little bit of a combo player. I do think that guys like Justin Steer and company are going to be able to do their part down low to keep compensate in this game. So I did set my line at nine. I'm going to be willing to take the 12 to 12 and a half with compensate and the DK Nation write-up that is on this total over. Set mine at a 153 and a half, three of six, 677, three of six, 778. You've got Rutgers and they're going to be playing us a buck. Now the bracket plus and Bison are an underdog of 19 and a half to 20 and a half points and your total on this game in between 131 and a half and 132. I'm with Bucknell. Set them as a 19 and a half point underdog. Seeing north of 20, I'm going to be willing to take the points with with Bucknell, this is a Bucknell unit that has really slowed themselves down. They're ranked right around 300th in terms of possessions per game, and they do a nice job of shooting it from three. They're shooting 41% from the outside. You've been able to have Xander Rice have it be Xander's game, as he has given this team 16 points, four and a half assists, a seal per game, shooting 42% from the outside. Elvin Edmonds, a fourth. He's been able to shoot 52% from three-point range. And then you've got a pair of guys down low, and Andre 3000 screen along with Alex Zimmerman, averaging 
22.7 points, right around 13 boards. They both give you two assists per game, so they're good passers. You could use a little bit more depth for this team, but you do have someone like Jake Vanderheijen, who's been able to give you five points, four and a half boards. He's a little bit of a combo player that's able to let it fly from three-point range. Now, Rutgers, in terms of points allowed on a per-possession basis, this is one of your most supreme defenses that you are going to find in all of college basketball. And now they've got all their pieces back at the full Caleb McConnell to begin the season. He was out. He's now back, and he's able to give you multiple steals per contest. And Cam Spencer has come in from the Patriot League over at Loyola, Maryland. He's been amazing. 13 points, 3.5 assists, 2.7 steals per contest. McConnell gives you about 1.7 steals, 5 boards, 7.5 points per game. And with Spencer, shoots 41.5% from 3. Rutgers as a whole, they only shoot about 31% from the outside. But Rutgers, they're lying 72.2 points per one hundred possessions at home. They rank 4th overall in terms of home and road points a lot on a per-possession basis, and they're in the top five at home as well. You've been able to get about six rebounds and seven and a half points per game out of Muwat Mog, and then Cliff Amarui. Just a double-double machine down low. Bucknell, 14 and a half points, nine and a half boards, but I do think that Bucknell is going to be able to hold in this game. You do have a Rutgers bunch that, well, they've been having their struggles on offense as they've now scored 65 points or fewer in four out of their last five games. Certainly much of that competition is against better teams than the bracket plus some Bucknell Bison, but you do take a look at this Bucknell team as well, and they've been able to do a little bit more on offense. They've been able to score north of 70 points in now four out of their last five games. I think that that's going to come to a screeching halt here against Rutgers, but Bucknell has shown that they are able to slow down, and I do think that they're going to find a way to get enough open looks to be able to cover this number. We'll take 20 or more with Bucknell. Set my total at a 126 as a Rutgers team that they're a mid-tempo team. Bucknell is a relatively slow team, and Rutgers, I do think, is going to swarm on defense. So, looking at the under and the points, and we're going to have things up with 306, 779, 306, 780. You've got Indiana playing as Kennesaw State. Goals. In the words of our good friend Lane Giffen and with Kennesaw State, they're between an 18 and 20 point underdog to last game. It's anywhere between 141 and a half and 142. I'm figuring that Trace Jackson Davis is going to be out of the fold for Indiana in this game as he missed the team's last affair and Xavier Johnson, we know that he's going to be out. He's going to be out for quite some time, but even with that, I did set Indiana as a 23 and a half point favorite. I recognize that big favorites have been having a little bit of a tough time this week, but I do think that Indiana is still going to be relatively inspired. They very nearly covered that game against Elon a couple days ago. Elon, I would consider them to be a little bit of a step down from Kennesaw State, but the only reason why Elon covered that game is that they went down to 24 from three-point range, uncharacteristic of them, and for Indiana, they've got Miller Cop, who's been able to do a really nice job for this team. He's been able to give the team about 10 points per contest, shooting 46% from three as a six foot seven, a little bit of a combo player, and I knew that we would be able to get a good defense defensive effort out of Indiana. In terms of Indiana, they're 29th of the country in terms of points scored on a per-possession basis, and if you take a look at them just at home, they rank in the top 15 in this category as well. Even without Trace Jackson Davis, you are going to have down low Race Thompson, who in that game against Elon, he had a double-double. He is very capable of being a dominant big man. Malik Renu has been able to overall for the season give you about 7.5 points, 4 boards. He's a very good rim protector for this team as well, and for Kennesaw State, they're not going to be able to match up with that size. Kennesaw State really has one guy that's able to give you north of five rebounds per game, and Brandon Stroud, seven and a half points, six and a half boards. And you do have a Kennesaw State team that has been able to generate about nine steals per game. And part of the issue that you do have with Indiana is perhaps ball security with having out of the fold Xavier Johnson. But Jalen Uchifino has been able to give you about four and a half boards, four and a half assists. Gives you about eight or so points per game. But we saw in that game against Elon, 13 turnovers, so it wasn't too bad without him. And I do expect to have Trey Galloway be able to step up for the team. He's overall for the season. 
season for Indiana, giving out multiple assists, six points per game, and hasn't necessarily seen a ton of minutes. Now he is going to be able to, and I think that he's going to be better than what Kennesaw State is able to throw at you in the backcourt. Tyrell Burden for this Kennesaw State team, 11.5 points, four assists. He's been able to shoot about 55.5% from three-point range, so he's been rock solid, but a lot of Kennesaw State's wins have come against what's called what it is outmatch competition. They were able to have a spirited effort against VCU a few weeks ago, in which they were able to hold in there by three, but you saw that game against San Diego State. They got completely destroyed 88-54. to I think that they're going to do a little bit better in this instance as you do have some nice depth. Kassan Jennings is able to give you six half points per game. Quincy Ada Mocha, who comes in from Temple, he's been able to shoot about 35% from the outside. He gives you six points per game, but that said, I do think that Indiana, even with Trace Jackson Davis out of the fold, even with their ailments, they should be able to cover this number. I did set Indiana as a 23.5 point favorite. I'm going to lay it with Indiana. Still one of the better defensive teams down low in all of college basketball. I think that they're going to eat up the glass against a Kennesaw State team that really doesn't have a lot of size, and a Kennesaw State team that it's not like they're really looking to push the tempo and make this thing super duper fast. 180 third in the country in terms of possessions per game. So, somebody total 135 diving under, and I'm going to lay the points with Indiana, and that will wrap things up for the Friday edition of Coast to Coast Soups, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. A big thanks to Cooper Watson of Bustin' Brackets for joining me in the last segment. If you do like what you're hearing from this fine podcast, Coast to Coast Soups, you're able to subscribe wherever your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Citra, and tune in. If you have a question, comment, segment, idea, whatever you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways we go for those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at GNIT underscore 81. Keep in mind, letters CM. I mean, it does not matter. As per usual, please send these into the timeline. The other way is find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you're able to fire in whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast. Fight that five star review. Coming at you guys every single day throughout the college basketball season. That means I'm coming at you once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA.